Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, quarantine edition, guys. It's not like we haven't done one of these before. Um, I'm joined by my uh, co-host, as usual. Uh, and actually, I just want to say a big congratulations because you just finished uh, law school, right? So now all that's left is the bar, uh-huh. the easy part. But yeah. uh, Sam, congrats, man. Thanks, man. I mean, yeah, I'm just giving you guys a heads up, and I just wanted to like wait until we were recording so you guys couldn't get mad at me. But like, you know, when I'm studying for the bar, I'm probably not gonna be able to uh, record as often. So, uh, yeah, I just want to guys let you guys know <laughs> ahead of time yeah, so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, as long as you don't don't start re- charging uh, retainers per yeah. episode or you guys your appearance, will be good. You might but, have um, to. But uh, Andres, how you doing, man? Same old, same old, man. Just waiting for soccer to come back. We're only a few days away from the German league, so that's exciting. Interesting that's fact. Yeah, it is. 100%. I'm waking yeah. up. It is Schalke and uh, Borussia Dortmund on Saturday. That's going to be a sick game. It's like 6.30 in the morning our time. Dude, a rivalry oh, game. Up for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to watch it for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean... So it it, it kind of looks like positive moving forward. I mean, I guess before we get into like today's like meat and gravy of the show, um, how are you guys feeling like overall about the return of football or, the, or the, at least the return of live sports? All right. Andreas, I, I thought Andreas was going to go first. I, I, I'm still surprised that you said the meat and gravy of the episode. Isn't it the meat and potatoes? Isn't that what the phrase yeah. is? <laughs> meat and potatoes. I said meat and gravy. Yeah. Oh, Dude, man. Meat and gravy sounds... I'm, I'm like infamous for changing common sayings to what they're not. <laughs> and so I even doubted myself for a second. I was like, God damn it. That is another saying that I've been saying wrong forever. It's not meat and potatoes. Hey, Dude, I, am, I am definitely turning into my pops. I'm turning into my dad, man. It's terrifying. Uh, in, in terms of live sports coming back, obviously Korean baseball wasn't going to cut it anymore. So I'm pretty excited about <laughs> it. Go watch Korean soccer, though. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Korean baseball was actually pretty sick. It's like I totally forgot how baseball looks with like bad pitching. So like there was like a lot of hitting and it was like really exciting. You know? Yeah, plenty of home runs. Mm-hmm. Like watching a local high school game or something. Yeah, except I would probably never do that. Um, <laughs> just like <laughs> imagine watching watch a Korean local. Baseball. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean it's just like it's the thing that we all need during this quarantine, like some sort of live entertainment, like. I mean, it's just like, it, you know, like I just finished my finals and it's the first time in my life like that I didn't have like the NBA playoffs to distract me, you know, like every single yeah. time I have to like start, start studying for play, the uh, my finals, it's right at the start of playoffs uh, and like the crunch time Conference in the finals. Premier League. Yeah, you know, Premier League crunch time. Well, actually, it would have been done by now, huh? Have, would the Premier League yeah, would have finished now? this weekend. Yeah, yeah, this weekend. Yeah, so exactly same thing. Like coming down to crunch time. Like, uh, so that was pretty <laughs> good for me. But now that I'm done with finals, uh, but now that I got to study for the bar. Okay, can you guys wait for live sports until like after September? Is that cool? So I don't get, have any distractions. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, who this... knows? Who knows when anything's coming back? 
um, like officially in terms of the Premier League. Apparently, it's soon. Um, and was it June first? Was the reported yeah. date? Well, that, that's so. when they're yeah. allowed. Like it, it, it hasn't come out with a full schedule the way you know the Bundesliga did. Where they're like, all right, here's the schedule for the first weekend, but June first is the official first date where the government has allowed the Premier League to come back. Well, the players are all back in England now, um, at least for the most part, from what I understand. So, I mean, it, it, training should get underway sometime soon. Um, I, I don't even know what to really expect when football comes back. I think uh, I think one of the more interesting things that we should probably mention on the show is the fact that they're considering uh, allowing five subs um, because of the condensed schedule that you know might actually happen. So, I mean, that's that'll be pretty crazy. Something different, I guess. And it's also, insane. and also, I heard when training comes back for the Premier League. They're uh, prohibited from tackling in practice, so hopefully that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't carry on into actual matches. <laughs> no tackling allowed. <laughs> no injuries before yeah. matches. Yeah, that'll be good. That's probably what it means. <laughs> it, well, well, I saw a funny video of the uh, Korean soccer league, and like one of the players got fouled, and the ref was like, you know, spraying the uh, you know the foamy stuff to you know set the markers. And uh, the player on the ground, like, put his hand out towards the ref to, like, ask him, you know, to be helped up. And the ref, like, like freaked out and, like, jumped backwards. <laughs> like, no, 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 And then, like, they both started laughing. It was hilarious. But I think we're going to see that a lot more now. So, That's you know. That's the new normal for sure. It's yeah, you won't. Awkward. The walk-ins are going to be awkward because, you know, you can't shake hands before games. So Or, like, holding the kid's hand when they're walking in. <laughs> yeah. The, what, what's that going to look like now? Oh, yeah. They're, they're probably gloves. not even going to have mascots. Mm-hmm. No mascots, obviously, because there's no fans. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. the, you, don't, you don't shake your hand. Like, people are going to have to fight every bit of sportsmanship you know you can't celebrate with teammates you can't shake your hands with like whoever's your buddies with from the other team after the game no I changing mean, I jerseys think, i think i think by the time they start they're obviously gonna have to be constantly testing the players because yeah. uh you know if 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 anyone gets sick are they i mean uh, that's the that's one of the questions that we have asked like are they just going to take that player out like is he just not allowed to play or is it going to be like canceling the whole season like you know do you want me to go ahead and answer yeah oh yeah okay we'll jump into that uh yeah go ahead yeah so the bundesliga has had a few potential like positive cases since they started practicing again those people are just required to to go into 14-day isolation so i mean business as usual has continued people have been practicing and they just have they have constant testing at team facilities so I doubt that one player causes it. All that all that has to happen kind of like with La Liga. All those players had testing before they even stepped foot into the facility. So before you can even practice, you have to be cleared, whether you're a staff member or player. So it's not – we're not going to wait till match day to, to test. And I'm yeah. sure it's going to be – Of course. Often. But the thing know? is also like – yeah, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. I also heard that, um, you know, there were some players that tested positive for antibodies but weren't um, showing any symptoms were still allowed to continue practicing. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, if so the, I, the antibody whole thing is still, like, up for, like, it's, like, international debate, debate honestly. Like, yeah. what, like, what antibodies are actually effective against the corona, this new coronavirus. But 
I, I mean, mean, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. That's why. That's yeah, why. That's like. That's that's like why I think this season like there could be because we won't know more about that for maybe another year. Like honestly, like and by the time there's immunization and stuff like that, mm-hmm. maybe two years. You know. So like, what we're doing this season is probably going to also be in place for next year, I think. I mean, not obviously every protocol, but I think for the most part, we're going to see it overlap into next season as well, whatever we see this year. I think we're going to see the groundwork for just protocol, like, yeah, moving forward, just period. I don't I think, mean, I, I don't think live sporting is, events are, are, are going to be the same after You, you think this. about – I'm not saying that there's going to be no fans in the stadiums. But I, I definitely think that they're going to be a little bit more cautious about, you know, contact between players and staff and fans and things like that. I think they're going to take, you know, extra steps from here on out. The thing is, though, like, this is a new virus, okay? And they, we live, you know, our whole lives. Uh, you know, we're, we're 20 in our 20s. But even before that, our whole lives with viruses, but just enough of the population is immunized, uh, is, is immune to it. And, you know, we have uh, vaccines and stuff for it that, you know, we, we've existed with those viruses and nothing has been, you know, like, we like insane protocol for that. So I think in a couple of years when this virus is not really a concern anymore, um, then it's, it doesn't seem like it's going to be like the new normal, you know, like from now here on out, I think until, because we do live with viruses right now. And it doesn't, you know, there's no, like, uh, safety protocol measures in place right now or before this, obviously, that, like, was trying to pre- prevent the spread of diseases. Uh, but I don't know. That's just that's just what I think. No one – yeah. everything we say right now is, like, <laughs> we're not scientists. Like, we, we know as much as the, <laughs> average, the other average person knows. Uh, but I don't know. These are just predictions. Um, yeah. Let's get into the questions. You guys want? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the reason why we're all gathered here today. We got a bunch <laughs> of questions, man. Like, I think these we do. Everyone, everyone who's been asking questions has been holding back, waiting, waiting until we finally announce we're gonna start recording again. Uh, Shout and, out to uh, all the rep ultras. Yeah, and of course, I mean, where I I can't do a Twitter questions without starting off with our boy at Nick Lenartson, uh, former guest of the pod. I think our last episode, if you guys haven't listened to that, check it out. Him and the boys, Alex and Seb, killed it. Yeah, but, yeah uh, they were awesome. He asks, Leicester City, uh, Leicester City and Liverpool are the toughest uh, obstacles in the remaining EPL season. Uh, what are some other games that could actually give us points? So I'll read the remaining uh, Premier League schedule for us that was supposed to... Uh, occur so Villa away City at home West Ham away Watford at home Palace away Sheffield away Norwich at home Liverpool away and Wolves at home uh so where's where's Leicester and all that I'm sorry did we miss that did I not say Leicester Oh, it's, no, not, it's not on No, that. no, no. Leicester's an FA Cup match. Oh, okay. Ah. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Leicester's uh, a Cup match. This is only, this is only uh, the EPL schedule. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in this question, he said in the EPL season. So, Nick, that's on you, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, Zach, you want to start us off nine, with the nine matches I read? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, the nine matches remaining. I'm just looking across the list. There's three of these games are going to be against teams that are battling relegation. Um, so you have West Ham away, which we know can get tricky. Um, Watford at home, very winnable, but again, very tricky. And Villa away, which I think um, is probably the trickiest out of all of those. All three teams are still well within a relegation fight. Um, I, Off the top of the head, I believe Villa and West Ham are in, are in safety, if I'm not mistaken. I know West Ham's safe as of right now, but... Um, Big, big matches with big, big implications, banana peels. Um, those are matches where we could definitely drop some points. We know how tricky it is. And I think I think the last thing you want to do towards the end of the Premier League season is play teams at the bottom of the table or teams uh, battling for the top four. You, you really want you really want to try and you know hope that you get those mid table sides towards the end of the season. but um, you know, so three of those games against relegation teams. Five of those nine matches are away, um, which is probably better for us because we suck at home. Um, and then two of those matches are against teams fighting for uh, Champions League. So uh, Leicester, who hasn't um, um, solidified um, qualification for next season's Champions League, and also Sheffield, who's well within the running to qualify for the Champions League should City's uh, ban uphold. So as far as I'm seeing it... So we're not playing Leicester. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just one yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah good then there's just one um but anyways i mean it look it's the point is we're still playing teams that have shit to fight for so nobody's gonna roll over at this point in the season yeah we haven't had soccer for a long time and yeah we kind of know how the premier league's gonna pan out in terms of the champions but there are still a lot of spots up for grabs. And I think that uh, that's probably going to be our biggest challenge going, you know, into the remainder of the season, if and when it happens, mm-hmm. is, um, you know, trying to hit the ground running because we have some big games coming up. You know, right off the bat, it's Villa away. So, yeah, um, Andres, by the way, you... by the way, West Westham and uh, and Watford are the two two spots right above relegation. And yeah. they are tied in points with Bournemouth, who is in relegation right now. So just off goal differential, and we play both those teams. This is going to be one of the, probably one of the most enjoyable like relegation battles we've seen in a while, huh, Andres? Mm -hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. And with this whole Corona situation, this is probably the most I'll ever follow a relegation battle. Also, just because I miss the sport so much, (laughs) but every small like thing is going to become huge for us now. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. So. Looking over this, I think, um, let's see, we drop uh, six, seven. Let's say potentially we'll drop, worst case scenario, 10 points. That's that's worst case scenario here. City at home and Liverpool away can be losses. And then I'm looking at Wolves at home as a potential draw. And... I mean, it's us. We'll probably draw another game. So out of nine matches, you have, what, five wins, two losses, two draws? That's that's worst-case scenario for me. Yeah. 
the thing is for me, I'm looking at the schedule and I'm seeing a lot of teams that could play shithouse football um, and be effective at it. And that's honestly the team. Those are honestly the teams I'm scared of <laughs> because you, you could be rusty and know how to play shithouse football. Like, right. like you don't, you don't forget how to do that. So I think a lot of the teams like, you know, Man City, maybe um, Liverpool, possibly Wolves because they're very, very tactically sound. I mean, Nuno's ridiculous at that. So Sheffield also, but I'm thinking like teams like Palace, West Ham, Watford, Villa away. Norwich. I mean, those are games where those teams could play shit house football and, and take away points. So, I think. I mean, I think Palace, for example, they're in eleventh. That's yeah. like whatever. They're yeah. they're they're not going down. They're literally, you know, the the magic number is like forty points. They're at thirty nine. So, I I don't even think twice about them. But for example, Wolves, they're at sixth, right yeah. there, trying to get the Champions League, and then with City getting a ban. What, however Champions League decides to return, Wolves is Wolves could get Champions League with fifth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Norwich at this point is still mathematically in the middle of things. Maybe by the time we play them, they'll be mathematically out, so we can beat them. But Sheffield, same thing as Wolves. They're right there. They're tied in points at 43 points. West Ham away... They've kind of turned their season – or not their season around, but they've been getting results as of late as well. So I I don't know. I, I know that we can – can we beat City and Liverpool? Sure. But can we also lose to them? Yeah. I mean, Liverpool in the second to last fixture by then, they might be playing youth. So maybe I'm overstating who they might bring out in their 11. And, and City has nothing to fight for, but it's the second game coming back from break. So I doubt Pep is hanging up the kind of calling it quits that early into the return. So I say two losses worst case should be something we aim for. Yeah. And, and you know what? Pep Pep is wants to get his team up and running, too, because he, he's still in the running for Champions League. Uh, Are there? Whatever that looks like. Whatever <laughs> yeah. Whatever that looks like. Well, whatever it looks like, yeah, I know. But you know, if it's if it returns sooner rather than later, he's gonna want to take every step to ensure his team's gonna be ready. I don't, it's gonna be tough. I just think it's funny that we're talking about you know some of the you know looking at this list, the teams we're worried about are teams like Watford and West Ham, you know, and, and you know not necessarily yeah. Liverpool and City. <laughs> well, we're not worried because we know we probably aren't going to win those matches. <laughs> uh, and and it, it's also the fact that like we haven't. You just said it. It's so easy to pa- park the bus, and it's almost like a systematic thing that you need to practice over and over again to break that down. And we haven't done that, and we're not good to, good at doing that to begin with. So. Yeah, you're right. I'm more worried about dropping points against these relegation sides than City and Liverpool. And then Nick also asked, this is a little bit later, but uh, what are our our chances of finishing top four or top five if uh, we're taking City's suspension into consideration? I feel very, very good about it. Yeah. I feel good about it. I I, I think we'll qualify for 85%? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's fair because like what so if if we're if we're talking top five, uh, wolves that are one hundred percent. Yeah, if we're talking top five, like wolves is five points behind us, 
I think that we'll probably finish on top of them. Top four, United is behind us, three points behind. And United finished off, uh, you know, the last time we played on a on a pretty you know good, pretty solid form. I think their last match was a win against City, right? So you know, like that's they could get Rashford back. Unfortunate timing for them, but pretty good for us. You know, like they were they were going on a little hot streak. Um, I don't think they dropped. Yeah, they haven't dropped a point any points in the past five matches. So I don't think uh, they've dropped points since Bruno Fernandez came. Oh yeah, Ma- speaking uh, of match match of the match of the day team of the season. <laughs> yeah, joke. Uh, I think we, we, I'll ask. I'll ask that right now. Let's let's discuss. This is a this is a question <laughs> from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe. He says. Discuss how much of a joke the match of the day team of the season is. So, uh, I'll just run through the eleven: Allison in gold, I mean goal, uh, TAA left back, Van Dyke. I'm sorry, right, right back. back, right back. Van Dyke, uh, Soyuncu, and Robertson. Uh, then the midfield: De Bruyne, Henderson, and of course Bruno Fernandez, which is I think the main talking point of this whole team, then front three, Salah, Aguero, and Mane. I mean, the Bruno Fernandez is the one that sticks out by far. I mean, Where is many... Kovacic, Andres? Dude, I am, like, boiling. Out. Just, I've, been, I've been boiling just looking at this. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Let They're me trolling just... us, right? Bro. How many, how many matches I... has Bruno Fernandez played this season? Like That That eight? is exactly what I'm trying to look up right now because Five I don't unbeaten. Five? five matches five matches. Five unbeaten i told you i told you that's what that's why united like got on that little hot streak because they got a little pep in their step because they spent 50 million on a you know He's portuguese midfielder that's 13, what happens 13 percent of a premier league season <laughs> and that that justifies him being on this team if that's the case then Pulisic's numbers for eight matches or whatever deserve to be here ahead of salah yeah, why I mean, not? like, yeah, obviously, not? You're, obviously yeah. you're not saying yeah. that he deserves to be up there, but if we're using the same methodology Logic. as match of the day is, yeah, but it is at, unreal. And I mean, I think I might be the only person here who thinks that. I just think Jordan Henderson has got to be one of the most overrated yeah. players, probably my whole in my lifetime. I mean, he he's solid. He's their captain. Yeah. But he is so overrated, like, as far as how good he is. Like, to make this team, uh, I mean, off the top. He's just the guy that, like, I feel like emotional leadership. He is obviously the captain, like you said. I agree, yeah. They're saying that he's doing a lot of the the house, like, housekeeping for that team in terms of cleaning up stuff and, and recycling possession and that sort of thing. But I agree, man. I can't stand Henderson to begin with. And you can't stand his his like his neck pulse when he screams. <laughs> bothers me. I, every time I think of him, I think of him just like a still frame of him screaming with this stupid neck pulse, pissed off about nothing. Look, Jordan Henderson is a seven out of ten every game. That's the only <laughs> reason why he's on this list. I hate I I, I, I hate him too, but. But but it's yeah he's Mr. Consistent for them. Who would you put there in that the, spot over him? Well, I think Kovacic deserves a shout. Um, I think it's ridiculous. Who else? Who else? 
I'm having a tough time thinking of who would be. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe James Madison. I know he played on the wing. Maybe what about Grealish? Yeah, I was about to say Jack Grealish. Jack I Grealish mean, is the only other person that I would consider. I agree with that. Jack too. Grealish. But Jack Grealish. Three for Villa. Uh, yeah. Does he normally play wing? I think he can play both. Yeah. yeah. But he's flexible, I, I, but that's I, what he's played this right. season at least. I think interesting. An interesting one is uh, the Allison debate because I think Dean Henderson had just a ridiculous year, <laughs> and he somehow didn't make this team. Mm. Like, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Allison, you know, did his part, you know, in Liverpool's success this season and all. But I mean, you do have Van Dyke. Yeah, and Sheffield, Sheffield United being seventh right now, like they have no place being there. Like they're tied with no. Wolves right now in points, uh, and they're ahead. They're ahead of Tottenham and Arsenal. I don't know if that's saying much this season, but that's yeah. that's an impressive feat. Uh, that's, that's a good shout, Zach. And then um, Ben Chilwell at left back, but you know, I guess his form kind of tailed off. But yeah, yeah I would. I would not argue. Get Liverpool's players I think this is pretty pretty good overall like I said the Fernandez one makes zero sense to me I honestly yeah, have stupid. no clue they did that to be controversial I mean that's the one no thing, they the did that reason. because dude two goals three assists and one of the goals was like a penalty yeah a penalty and three assists like oh I'm sorry that Manchester United's Midfield is so bad that they can't get an assist to people like Rashford and Martial. My bad, Jesus Christ! Like, dude, it's I, it's it's it, sad. It pisses me off. The more I'm looking at it, the more pissed off I'm getting about it. If we're gonna go by that logic that Bruno Fernandez did enough to get into this team, then put in Billy Gilmore yeah, over, yeah. over fucking Jordan Henderson if, exactly. if that's the case. Billy because, Gilmore beat Liverpool because that yeah. kid had like a. That kid literally had a stormer in the only Premier League game he's ever started in his life, which is better than Jordan Henderson's 7 out of 10s. So why doesn't he get in over it? He's played more than 13 minutes like Bruno Fernandez, right? You guys are sounding like homers right now. <laughs> Listen, I don't give a fuck. This is stupid. Like, like, like this whole this whole lineup is stupid. I, I, I get it. I think there should be, you know, three or four Liverpool players. You Honestly, can't argue. It's it's right though. I mean, yeah, for the it, most part, it's right. But... I, my only complaint is honestly Fernandez. Everything else makes perfect sense to me. Van Dyke doesn't have an equally good partner at center back. The outside backs, honestly, those are accurate. De Bruyne has, was on track to like breaking. Every, I mean, I think he still well, can break the assist record. De Bruyne is the first name on the list. If yeah, you're asking uh, me this season, yeah. Aguero is Aguero, and then Mane and Salah are part of the team that's destroying everyone. So, I mean, this makes sense to me. I, I don't – like, again, Fernandez is the only thing where I'm like, why? But everything else, I have zero complaints. It just sucks because I don't enjoy seeing Liverpool be successful, but it, it's it's right. Yeah. I, what is – is that Thank seven? You, seven play, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Liverpool players. I mean that's again most of the most of the list is like I can't really uh you know debate most of it but I mean indeed he also could be in the midfield I think That's what I was going to say that's a good he missed shout a lot well. of the season I was going to put him in there but he did miss a lot that's the thing you know I mean if, if you really want to maybe 
if, if you really want to talk about, you know, putting players in there, you, I mean, you could probably take your pick out of Leicester's midfield and they, you could make a case for one of them to be on there. Yeah, either him or... Telemans, Madison, or... Matt yeah, or Didi. I don't know. I, I, I think it's a coincidence that there's not one player from London on this list. But, I well, mean, if, there's if only one go, team in London that could the, do it. <laughs> right. I mean, if we go back to, like, the 0405 season, I'm pulling up... This is the, the Premier League team of the year. Czech, Terry, Lampard, Robin. That's one, two, three, four. Four Chelsea players... And we were super dominant that season. But the difference is the guys that broke into this team that weren't part of Chelsea's team definitely had a case for it. Rio Ferdinand, Gary Neville, Ashley Cole, Gerrard. Like, all of those make sense. The only thing that's kind of weird on here is that Andrew Johnson for Crystal Palace, but I'm sure I can dig into his numbers, and he probably had a one-season wonder sort of thing. But, I mean, Liverpool's been that dominant. Yeah, but Jordan Henderson, Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> eh. I guess the midfield isn't hasn't been that quality this this year in the Premier League. Like overall, I mean, look at Paul Pogba. I mean, I know he's been hurt for a little bit, but like he hasn't been having a good season. He's supposed to be the best midfielder in all the Premier League, and uh, David Silva has been hurt too. Like, there's a lot of midfielders who. Haven't been Rodri. Rodri was a flop. Yeah, there was just yeah. I, I get it, you know, and like and the midfielders that have been coming into the Premier League the last couple of years haven't been like the flashiest names. Like Jorginho doesn't like get anyone excited, you know. Rodri the same, you know. Holding midfielders don't really get anyone going, but still, man, this is bullshit. Bruno Fernandez shouldn't be on there. I I, I don't want. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. All right, let's move Honestly. on. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So uh, let's go to. A question from Nacho Fuentes. He asked, what are the signings, realistic ones, like the rumors that you're most disappointed that weren't completed? Uh, Andreas, how about I start off with you? Uh, for me, I go back to 2013, whenever Isco was in our radar. Um, I'm not sure whether or not he would have chosen us ahead of both Barca or Real Madrid, but he was kind of the player that I wanted and his career at Madrid has kind of shown that what the player that I knew he could be. So a hybrid playing at a center mid, box to box, to even playing out on the wing, playing at a 10, kind of could do a little bit of everything. I thought that he would have been a good fit to what we had as a, as a terms of an 11 then. And even now we're still missing someone like that that can just unlock a defense, whether it is by dribbling or passing through them. So for me, it was him. I, I loved him at Malaga. He took that team into the Champions League basically by himself. So Isco in 2013, I just remember how how sad I was that you know he ended up going to Madrid. I'm gonna go more recent. I'm gonna go Allison um, last summer. I was excited with the rumors because I knew he was you know I, I you know he's a potential a potentially world class goalkeeper at the time when he was still at Roma. Now obviously he is. Um, but look, like the money that we were going to go in for him for something around 70 million, a little bit less than what we paid for Keppa. We all saw how Keppa turned out, so it just kind of makes you think, well, what could have really happened if we got Allison? Um, would we have imploded the way we are, or, or the way we have in the past? And um, and would Liverpool be as good? 
<laughs> so it could have possibly changed the whole face of the Premier League, but I think it's one of those, you know, signings that definitely uh, determined our course. So I'm going to go Allison. Sam, what do you think? Uh, I'm going a little more recent too. This was like, I think this was like the start of our very first season. Like when we, I mean, of, of our podcast, when we first started our podcast. Mm-hmm. And this was like uh, when uh, we were rumored to get Lukaku back. Um, oh, yeah. And like, it wasn't, at that point, it wasn't even a rumor. It was like a fact. It's like, happening. Was coming back. And I was so excited to have him back because he was killing it off in a, where was he at again? Uh, at a, a Everton. Everton. And uh, then that fell through. He went to United, which that by itself, like, just pissed me the fuck off. Like, I could not believe he did that. Like, With yeah. him and Pogba at their Airbnb in Hollywood Hills, like, chilling by the <laughs> pool and, like, Kobe jerseys and stuff. I remember that, that day. off, man. And yeah. then, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah dude, I remember those picks. Wow. And, yeah. Uh, and just to top it all off, the replacement we got instead, Murata, for that crazy fee. I mean, that was just, like, the icing on the top. Like, that whole fiasco having to deal with that. That season, we, what, we finished fifth. Uh, like, no one no one really played well. I think Eden Hazard is, like, our leading goal scorer with, like, 10. Uh, that was just a bad year. Um, and I do single-handedly blame Lukaku for that. <laughs> thanks a lot man um yeah. I, I skipped a question uh, i talked about maracha being a flop but ron aka bone daddy cool aka bone daddy deluxe he asked a question about another striker that we paid a heavy heavy fee for everyone considers torres fernando torres a flop when he was with us but i don't what are your guys' take takes on that zach Fernando Torres was a flop in matches that were not important. But, you know, I, we all remember Camp New in 2020. We all remember him scoring, uh, you know, or 2012, excuse me. And <laughs> 2020 sucked. Wow. That is a really that is a really big mistake because I'm talking about one of the best years of my life. compared to one of the most boring bland years of my life but okay i mean he scored against barca at the camp new in 2012 we all know the implications of that goal caught us through to the champions league final um the following year yeah yeah he did he did win the corner i didn't even mention that in my notes here but um he won the corner as well um eventually drogba equalized off of 2013 scored the europa league final um opener big game player um I, I loved his attitude, you know, even though he wasn't banging in goals left and right and he seemed like a shadow of the player that he was at Liverpool and Atletico before that, he still gave us 100% and he still was tactically flexible and did what he was told defensively. And let's not forget, you know, he had coaches and managers that made him do the hard yards in Mourinho. So, you know, there was a a, a period there where, there was an expectation that he had to perform. So um, I don't think he was necessarily a flop in the same way Murata was. Um, I just think it was underwhelming. I think flop is the wrong word just because this guy scored way too many or two, literally too many important goals. Man, I, uh, it's, it's tough, right? Because you said it, the, the big, 
difference between Morata and, and Torres is was mentality and, and how we saw them reacting on the pitch to, to their mistakes as well as their like their highs and lows. I think had I think also it helps Fernando Torres's case that he wasn't our outright starter through the whole time. You know, we we had other options at striker. So it, it lessens the blow of him becoming a flop in my mind. Because yes, he wasn't what we paid fifty million for. You know, he was not he did not come and, and be be that lethal just kind of forward that could score from any angle at any point like he was at Liverpool. But his numbers for a second striker were pretty good. You know, we're, we're talking about, yes, he wasn't the impact in big games, but he probably wasn't our starter in the big ones. And then when he did come in cap, like whether it was the League Cup, FA Cup, mid-table games, he was scoring goals then. Europa League final. He scored in the Super Cup against Bayern after 2012. I mean, I think it, he was okay. Obviously, again, I think I'm able to say that because he still had Drogba here, and Drogba was a starter. Then we had that kind of carousel of forwards with Demba Ba and, and Samuel Eto'o where none of them were scoring. So it kind of also made it not feel as bad that he wasn't lighting it up. So uh, situationally speaking it makes me think of him less of a flop compared to Morata. But had he come at the time when Morata did, when we needed the goals and, and, and all that, I, I probably would say, change my mind and say he was a flop. You, you have to take the 50 million pounds into consideration when you're <laughs> evaluating it. Like it's, it's, but what about the prize yeah. money for winning the Champions League or the, or the Europa League? Did I make up for it? <laughs> Or the sell-on fee. Yeah. Combine all I mean, of those, we probably came up in the positive. Yeah. I mean, Zach, you, you have the stat, what is it, 172 appearances, 45 goals in all competitions. Uh, so, I mean, that's obviously not 50 million pounds at the time uh, production, but it's not a flop. You know, like, oh. he, he didn't come and just shit on the field every match you know like Murata did yeah See, and, and exactly. this is and this is the difference the reason why i didn't have torres down as a flop and the main thing was i i, I loved his attitude yeah even you have to when he sucked his attitude was great and that's something that we didn't see from you know guys like uh falcao who came in guys like uh uh, uh he Murata. was doing the right thing it's just he he just wasn't scoring. he just couldn't like, score yeah and it's hard to compare score. it's hard to compare would, torres to Morata though because just think about like where they both were respectively at their point of their career torres had won you know world cups with uh with spain just like absolutely crushed it with liverpool uh you know had a, had a good run at atletico as well um Murata had always had been a career backup uh at you know big clubs but never was the star torres was older when he came over um and you know already an established player uh i mean he could have he could have done nothing for chelsea and still walked away with you know some solid silverware um so i think it's hard it's 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 not fair to compare that but i think i don't think he was a flop though ron i agree with you yeah i don't think he was And, and and the thing is like I mean, like, I just like to compare him to Murata because I think Murata was a model example of 
what a flop looks like, both mentally yeah. and, you know, like his actual performances on the pitch. Torres didn't do that. Like he would get himself in the right positions and just miss an open net. There's a huge difference between the two things because Torres would keep trying and Morata would just sort of give up. So and, fuck, and when we brought Morata. in Morata, he was going to be our number one striker from the beginning. And when we brought well, in Torres, Torres was too though. I mean, Drogba was we, getting on. We brought in we brought in Torres to create a little bit of competition. Who was the most prolific striker in England the year before? It made sense why we brought Torres in. It but just Torres was fresh off an, like a knee injury. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and Morata, we're, we were sold uncapped potential, time to prove Real Madrid wrong. Like, w- yes, we thought we had the sure thing with Torres when he was coming, but he was already in, in or at the end of his prime versus Morata. He was supposed to be a 10-year investment. Right. Yeah. Fuck that guy. All right, let's yeah, go on to the next question. <laughs> this one's also from Ron. Ron's got a couple here. A lot of good ones, actually. He says, do you think we'll ever find out what Pulisic's injury was? And also, when the league does get back up, does it make sense to keep RLC off due to fitness and make sure he's a he's back 100% next season? Wow. I mean, that when answering that second question, it's, like, hard to separate your fandom with, like, your reasonableness, you know? Like... I know. Obviously, I want to see RLC on the pitch, back on the pitch, game one. Like I, did, I miss yeah, him. Okay. But like when you think about it reasonably, like, like you, you don't want to, you want to ease him back into it. But who knows? Like we, I think that the training, like leading up to the season, like it's gonna, it's gonna be a little bit longer because every player in the Premier League hasn't played in a long time, you know? Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think it's it's different because we basically just had a mini offseason. Uh, I don't know. If, if players are healthy, I think they're all going to be put on the same scale because match fitness, you can pretty much count that out. That's the, the beauty of the five subs. I, I think we'll see Pulisic and RLC, if they're ready to play, they will play, and they will play significant minutes. And that that's the beauty of that five sub rule. And yeah. this break, hopefully it's a blessing in disguise for us because we should be getting these players who we've been waiting so long to see back on the pitch, Pulisic, RLC, Cho, all come back at a very key part of our year. And we're already um, almost a year removed from RLC. And if I remember correctly, right before this whole coronavirus thing happened, he was already playing 90-minute training matches. Yeah. And playing for the development squad. So. He was on the bench. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He made the, the bench. Yeah, I think it was twice, if I'm not mistaken. Was it once or twice? But anyways, Another I mean, way, yeah. the point is, he was he was on his way back. It was already on the cards. It was already something like, and that already showed kind of Frank's eagerness to bring him back. The fact that, you know, the first chance he's available, he's, he's, his ass is right there on the bench. Um, no, I think I, I think we'll see him for sure. Um Kind of like scaling back though to the Pulisic question, I don't think we'll ever really know, Ron, <laughs> and I don't think uh, Chelsea ever wants us to know. They do a really good job of just specifying these very like generalized, subjective or objective injuries, like uh, you know, an Achilles strain. What does that mean? You know, a ham, you know, a, a lower leg pull. injury. <laughs> lower leg injury, yeah, thigh injury or a contusion or you know like like we don't know what these things really are. So, I don't think Chelsea wants us to find out. Um I hope he's okay though. 
Yeah, he looks fine. He was doing, you know, TikToks and stuff. So yeah, it, it seems can like do everyone's TikToks, back up can and play in a Premier League match, ninety minutes. That's <laughs> that's a good measure of it. That is, that's a word on the street. <laughs> yeah, low key. And, and I think uh, I think Cho is hundred percent again, from what I hear. Um, I know when they interviewed him after he recovered from COVID nineteen, he said, "Yeah, you know, I'm back healthy. I just want to get back on the pitch." So, you know, it's it's looking up, you know, but at the same time, we, ha- we have to look at other teams and other players are going to be coming back, too. So we're not the only one getting healthier, I guess you can say. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to another Ron question. He asks a, a coronavirus question. Uh, he says, with the financial impact this is causing around the world and other leagues, it pretty much means we're stuck with a bunch of that dead wood, right? Uh, he's talking about drink water, Bakayoko, etc. Uh yeah (laughs) but uh i think i think what he's saying you know it's 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 impacting other clubs um that's the concern i mean i think roman will be okay uh (laughs) but like i i don't know how like you know if we're gonna sell these players it'd have to be for a steep discount are they gonna be willing to do that right now and just cut their losses or hold them on for another season and wait until teams are in better financial position to you know pay whatever they think they're worth i i think you just cut your losses man because those those are still weekly contracts that you would have to pay out so Mm -hmm. i I think we're going to be in a seller's market i think you'll see a lot of movement even if it is for cheap or or lower value because you know we talk about transfer fees as, as if that's the only thing we're paying but that those contracts are there too. And drink water is in six figures. Bakayoko, I'm pretty sure, is in six figures. I those are guys that that we can't keep paying for, even if it means that we just take a hit on a transfer fee. Uh, I I think you'll see that a lot for a lot like a lot of teams are gonna have to remove guys for cheap. I think that a lot of teams are gonna get deals on players, for example, of teams moving down on the for for relegation you'll yeah. see we talked about recently about players like emmy buendia timo puki for norwich both those guys aren't going to be at norwich next season but they'll probably go for a lot cheaper than we you know we ever thought or expected yeah i think uh i i think you're right i think we're going to try and get a lot of these guys out of there because i mean if you look at the cost of keeping them I mean, we're, we're talking about millions of pounds so it's definitely not something that the club is going to be patient with. I think they're going to make a decision and be swift about it with a lot of these guys. I know Bakayoko has been linked with uh, Monaco. He's been linked with, or he's been linked with a purchase with Monaco purchasing him. Excuse me. Um, he's loaned out there right now. Um, it looks like that marriage is healthy again. So hopefully that works, but I know PSG have been taking a look at him for reasons beyond me. Um, but, you know, it, it's just a matter of getting as much as you can for these guys. I, we're not going to get our full value. And I think the reason being the a lot of these clubs that are going to be looking at Deadwood are going to be clubs that are going to be the most financially uh, impacted by the COVID-19 situation. So, you know, I, I mean, there's already talks about, you know, um, uh, about Juventus really just trying to swap players they're really trying not to spend any cash. I don't think any of the clubs have 
cash at their disposal. So well, I think I think we'll see a lot of player swaps. I think we'll see combinations of you know two or three players going in one direction in exchange for you know uh, a player or two and allocation money, something along those lines. But yeah, there's gonna be a lot of movement, man. It, it, it's it's gonna be crazy. And last summer was nuts as is. It's just. This year, you know, there's going to be more movement. There might not be as much money spent, but there will definitely be as you know as much movement in the actual market itself. Now let's go on to the next question. Uh, this one's from at N Ward. He asks, it's kind of a similar question. He says, last summer it was the transfer ban. This summer, this summer it's COVID. What, if anything, does this do to our future, positive or negative? Uh, I think uh, kind of a little bit like based on like what Ron said in the last tweet, like it's affecting every club um, negatively. I think Uh, I don't see any positive. I mean, maybe like how you're saying it's a seller's market. Maybe we Mm -hmm. could be one of the teams that buys someone for cheap. Um, Something that, you know, like a a deal that Chelsea had been looking at, but the the price was too high, but now they have a little bit of leverage to, to pay a smaller fee that they think that is more adequate for that player. But um, I think it, it's just, it's, it's just going to be a negative for the most part for every club around the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'll be a little bit more specific. I think it's a negative just because we missed our opportunity. We knew we couldn't buy players last summer and we knew we got the ban lifted for not only just the winter, but you know, moving forward we should have had more ZX-style deals done and across. Like, we should have had more players fully knowing that by January we didn't sign anybody. February should have been the month that Chelsea stamped their their business for the summer, like signed it, got it ready, and got it done. We should have had Tellas figured out. Now that's up in the air. We should have mm-hmm. probably had a defender and a, and, uh, and a striker tied up too. There's, you know, nothing stops negotiations. Clubs do it all the time. I, you know, I, I hear, you know, Bayern does it all the time with players. And, and a lot of our targets are in the Bundesliga. So, you know, those clubs would have listened. Uh, and now because of the coronavirus, now we don't know what's going to happen there. So, again, because we waited to see what the options were, or we were maybe stingy on maybe a few million dollars. We're missing out on potential starters or big moves that could have been settled going into this summer yeah but there are a lot of other clubs that are you know having the same issues as us i mean uh, not in terms of the transfer ban but in terms of missing that opportunity to fill an obvious void in the squad but like but again they had a summer they had last summer we had no we had you know we we should have been preparing for this for this upcoming summer or leading up to it for since last summer mm-hmm. yeah. because worst case scenario we weren't going to be able to sign players in January either well well and, i i i think there was a plan in place though i i think clearly there was and i think zh was the beginning of it but like i get what you're saying we should have done more deals earlier on just to solidify two or three signings in case you know the other one or two guys you're targeting doesn't work out yeah, I, I get I mean, that. A plan in place, I, and I, I hate to be crude about it, but a plan in place is what Guardiola did with City, where he signed two, three outside backs because he knew none of those were going to work. He got or, himself a transfer ban and a, and a Champions League ban, though. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it all comes at a cost. 
Okay, then I'll just use Liverpool then because they don't have that. <laughs> and they have Allison and they got Van Dyke. They got their guys. But wait, and... when did the season? When did the season officially? The last game was when? It was in March, March huh? March early 3rd. March. March third, my sister's so, birthday. Yeah. So, I think you're right. Like that the deals. Those deals gonna happen in February. Who knows? Maybe you know our plan was to have it being done in March. You know, or in April, whatever. Like. Yeah. Uh, so and obviously that and I think what your your point was like you know what Zach was saying other clubs also but our our whole strategy was positioned around this time being what we'd focus on because we had the yeah. band in, in, in summer and because we didn't make any moves in uh, in the this December or January window so uh, I mean think know, about it no COVID. That we would be of course. Like, there's no way to prepare we would be for counting that. down the days for the window but, to open. Right, but at the same time, come December, we were already in a Champions League position. That 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 six that first six months of the season should have been enough to make us a, a you know a That's desirable a different conversation. target. You're right, but like you're still right. Yeah, January. Yeah, January comes around. No COVID. We should have, and knowing that the Euro Cup is coming this summer, which or at that point. That you know, you maybe risk paying 10, 15 million more today, putting us back in in February, than waiting in the summer and seeing. Let's say we let's say we did go all in on Sancho, 120 million in January versus 180 million if he lights it up in Europe. Same thing with Alex or Alex is Brazilian. Yeah. I take that back. But Chilwell, let's say Chilwell, <laughs> we got we could have signed him for 40 to 50 mid season. He was garbage the rest of the Premier League, so that's why. But then let's say he goes to the Euros, lights it up at left back for England, and now his price is 80. And, mm-hmm. and those are the situations that our back board and, and backroom staff should have been doing risk-reward on. And now Tellez, who had a release clause, is probably going to PSG. Uh, Timo Werner has more time to just think, oh, maybe I'll stay at Red Bull until Liverpool calls me. Like, if we had the desire to make those moves, we would have. And yeah. and I think that's the part. It's a missed opportunity because of that. And now when the COVID-19 situation, it, it just makes those opportunities that we missed on even more glaring. Yeah. That's a good point, Andreas. Very well put. Um, all right. Let's uh, move on to another Nick Lennartson question. <laughs> this is a funny one, in my opinion. He says, Keppa or Willie? Yeah, he says, who will will have Lamps blessing for the remaining part of the season? If Willie, have we seen the last of Kepa in a Chelsea shirt? Uh, Uh, Nick loves loves Willie. He just wants to see him playing. I don't know why. (laughs) If if we're not Chelsea fans, if we're not Chelsea fans, putting Willie in goal is probably the most entertaining thing to be watching as a neutral. Yeah. Nick just has, either has an out, for Keppa or just loves Willie because uh, he's mentioned he's, his name more than any other person probably uh, in the world. <laughs> I think uh, I think he likes hearing you say Willie. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> that has to be it. There's no other explanation. There's no um, other way. All right, let's. Yeah, I think that's a we, plus, unanimous. Plus, Keppa Keppa Keppa. won the last two matches. We won against Everton and and yeah. Liverpool. Clean sheets with Keppa and goal. Oh. Okay, so not that question. I didn't even see what it was. But, uh, all right. We got another question from N. Ward. 
who we just found out is also a Los Angeles listener, which is awesome. Well, when everything gets back together, we'll do a LA listeners uh, thing. Uh, yeah, we have to. And on maybe Andreas can fly fly down and join us. Uh, so we'll see asked, how the airport situation is. Yeah, he asks, come fall. Which players do do you not see in a Chelsea kit? I thought he asked, do you not want to see? But he's asking, like, what players do you not see in a Chelsea kit? Zach, you want to start? I put three uh, players that I think are for sure going to be gone. Uh, Drinkwater, Pedro, and Emerson. Um, Pedro's already one foot out the door. Pretty obvious he's not going to come back. Emerson is not um, saying anything <laughs> that indicates he wants to be here. And, uh, yeah, Danny Drinkwater needed to go the day we bought him, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, like, I would explain the day it, we but bought that's, him. like, all that needs to be said. Yeah, he needed to go the day we bought him. That would have been good business. Andreas, do you have anyone different? Um, I mean, the, all those fringe guys, I'm pretty sure, are going to be sold for spare change. I, for some reason, don't think Barkley's going anywhere, even though, you know, before the season I would have done anything to get him out. I, I just have this weird feeling he's going to be here for a while. And and something inside me, I don't know what it is, is telling me recently Jorginho won't be here next season. And yeah. I hate to, like, come to terms with that, but I just have this odd feeling that a, the cheeky bid will come in from whether it's Juve or another Italian side, and we might bite on it. Oh, God, um, that would be awesome. We could turn around and buy Ndidi straight away. Straight our away. midfield is stacked, Zach. We don't need any more. We need a bruiser. <laughs> that would be perfect. We have oh, Conte. Yeah, exactly. I'm happy. I'm, I would be – like now I'm hey. – I mean, he's the number one player I'd be willing to send, Jorginho. I, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, drink water, Pedro Emerson, obviously. Giroud is extending – Alonzo always has a foot out the door just because he thinks he's, you know, prime left back, even though he's strictly a wing back. So I, I don't know. Everyone on this team has their own sort of backstory about potentially leaving except like the Academy kids. I I don't think there's one player that's not from our Academy that hasn't, you know, whose name hasn't been thrown around for leaving the club. Maybe even our Academy, even our Academy players. I mean, we had Lamptey leave. Yeah. In January. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we got our next question from at Village Nitwit, aka Mike D. He says, Mike "If D. Mike D. Shout says, out Mike if, D. If Willian is to leave, who'd you give the number ten jersey to? Ooh, this is a great who would, question. Who would I give it to, or who should it really go to? Both. Yeah, both. I give it to Pulisic." Sorry, guys. I have to. No. I need to see yes. an American with the Chelsea number 10. I need to see All right, an American. All right, but who really gets it, Zach? 10. I mean, if you're going to go just based off of, like, the club, you know, throwing everything behind this kid, I think it should be Cho. I think that should be our 10. Um, you know, he's the chosen one, so, Yeah. I can't really see Mason Mount wearing it because I think number no. eight is for Mason Mount. We haven't seen RLC come back yet, so That's who even knows say, if he like, deserves ten? RLC has been here long enough to probably deserve it. Yeah. Um, who I think we haven't even mentioned that could get it is Ziyech. I mean, Ooh, twenty-two yeah. is twenty-two is 
is taken by Polisic, and that was his number at Dortmund. Um, Ziyech is technically a 10 and a winger, and he's our next, you know, big name added to the team. But, you know, part of me wants to see Loftus-Cheek in that 10 jersey. Like, that's who I'd love to see. If, if Loftus-Cheek can stay healthy, I fully believe that that's his. Like, that, that's kind of my pipe dream in terms of who deserves the 10. But, yeah, I, I, I could totally see Ziyech being number 10. I mean, he's our player, but we haven't seen a single kit with a number on it for Ziyech. And 22 is, is taken. And 10 is technically a more hierarchy elite number. In, in the world of football, I, I don't see him passing up on that. You know, it's funny. I was watching The Last Dance, uh, and they were talking about how Tony Kukoc uh, wanted to be number seven <laughs> because yeah. that was the most popular number in Europe. And I was just thinking, obviously, that's because of soccer. And I was, like, <laughs> talking to my dad about it, and I was like, you know, number 10, like, I feel like number 10 is should have been the most popular. And he's like, oh, the 10 thing is newer. Like, it's not... You know, like the way he saw it was a little bit different. And I think back then seven was the number, but I still always thought 10 was like the, the, the number. Does anyone, do you guys have know anything about that? No, I, 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 to me growing up, number 10 was always like the number to wear. That was, you know, if you were the, like if we, especially like playing club soccer, you usually look across the field and it's anybody wearing a jersey with the number higher than 90 or number 10 are their best players. <laughs> I, I grew, I their, I grew that's up in their LA FIFA though, too, so. Their FIFA yeah. rating above 90. That's what I think no, 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 no. <laughs> listen, man, we grew up in LA. We know those kids that show up with like number 97 and they have, you know, like, they look ridiculous and they weigh yep. maybe 78 pounds, but they'll destroy you. They have the I mean, I, predators for sure. I mean, the, the numbers used to be by position, right? So like yeah. 10, 11, 9, those were all super offensive players. And then 7 is like a, a probably winger. like an outside mid. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, growing up number 7, I think, was big because Figo was 7, Beckham. Raul was 7. Beckham was seven. And then you, you also have the tens, though, because you have Ronaldinho at one point was seven or a ten. I mean, um, Messi. Zidane was ten. Pirlo. Messi, obviously, ten. Pirlo. Pirlo? Pirlo? Or Totti. Totti. Totti, Totti was yeah, ten. Totti, yeah. So, yeah, I I get the, the want for that jersey. So, you know, you're the playmaker, you know, 10 and I think 10 and seven right now are like the two numbers, obviously because of Messi and, and Cristiano, but it goes way further back than that. Number nine is like, of course the number because over here, like, strike. yeah, well, no, just in general, everybody here was wearing Ronaldo jerseys, OG Ronaldo, not a, uh, not Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, but everyone was but wearing that, Ronaldo jerseys limited. here. Yeah. But yeah, that's limited to a striker though. Like you, you don't yeah. see a midfielder rocking number nine. Oh yeah, that's true. You you, you want to hear something funny? So my club team that I coach, um, we we pick our numbers at the beginning of every season or whenever we get new jerseys. And my goalkeeper won a coin toss and won the number nine. I didn't let that happen. <laughs> There's like no way. Yeah, keeper has to be one. I'm like, you kids need to be educated. Yeah, yeah. Keeper needs to be number one or like one some or like 13. abstract number. Yeah, like twelve <laughs> or thirteen, like. But. All right, let's let's move on. Our last question. Uh, N. Ward, also another one. Uh, he's got a couple, actually. 
He says, what transfer rumor do you love or hate? Oh, he says, answer both, one for each. So you guys have to answer both. Uh, <laughs> it's like a, feels like a test right now. Also, where do you see Ziek fitting in? He wants some more like insight. Like, what's the transfer process like? My player's perspective, the move, who, where do they report by, or when do they report by settling in? Period. How much is that beast that is uh, the EPL factor? Um, I don't. I don't have too much insight on that. I don't know if you guys do, but we'll start off with the transfer rumor, love, hate. Uh, Zach, you want to start off? There's not really much right now. I do love the Bakayoko um, to PSG one because the number that was getting thrown around was in the 35 to 40 million range. So I know that doesn't mean like a transfer where we're buying somebody. But if we're talking about just a good piece of business in general that could get me really excited, that's probably it. That, um, that, that's all we've pretty much seen, right? I mean, well, what other transfer rumors have like, really been – the, the Sancho I mean, I, and Werner ones have calmed down for sure. Yeah, I hate the Coutinho one. Like, uh, I was pretty oh, vocal God. about that. I hated that yeah. altogether. <laughs> um, in terms of the rumors that I loved, I mean, for – a hot second there was the Koulibaly for like a week <laughs> um I'm okay it's not that I love but like I, I'll welcome a free transfer of Mertens that that one's not going away anytime soon and now Mertens followed Lampard or something on Instagram is the latest thing but just because it's a free I I don't mind it and Mertens doesn't look like the kind of guy that's going to ask for like 200,000 a week so I don't mind that one because he can be Mertens a is interesting yeah he can because be a hybrid between a striker and a winger so yeah, and he could be, you know, the type of guy. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I can definitely see Mertens taking up like a Pedro sort of squad role right now where he can just kind of chill in England a couple years. He'll probably make more here than he's making at Napoli too, I'll tell you that. For sure. Yeah. All right, but... and then the Ziyech question, what do you guys think? <sighs> right wing. I think if yeah. – I think we go. We're going back to the four-three-three. I mean, you saw it against Liverpool and Everton. I, I love Mason Mount, but he can play the eight. So I, I think we're going back to the four-three-three, which means that Ziyech is going to be. You know, they're inside forwards anyway, so he'll get to drift centrally. But I'll, I'll see him more right wing than. At and where 10. does that leave Cho and Pulisic? Pulisic on the left. Cho. Pulisic's been awesome, yeah. But so you're Cho saying is, give, so you're giving, saying give Cho the ten, but he's not no, going to be a part of a starting I, I eleven. I did not say, I did not say give Cho the ten. I said, said give it to Ziyech. Oh yeah, you did, yeah, Zach. Zach I said give it to ten. Yeah. Well, 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 <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I could see Zia. I mean, Ziyech's going to be playing off of the right, um, but I think we're going to see a transformation at Chelsea. Something that's interesting to keep an eye on is. Over the years, especially with Eden Hazard, our left-hand side was our dominant attacking side where, you know, that that was our focus. Um, and now I think it's completely shifted over to the right. We got Ziyech could play up there. Um, you know, that's like his natural position, cutting inside onto his left. Um, Reese James with the overlapping runs and, you know, the runs forward and those inverted weird diagonal balls that he plays. But, like, Cho's very good on the right. We know Pulisic could play there. Cho actually prefers to play on the right. He talked about, you know, his relationship with Reese James. It's an exciting time, man. I think it's I think it's crazy that, you know, like we're finally starting to see you look, we 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 bought one player and we're already talking about this side of essentially transforming. Um but but that's what we need. We need more signings like that. I think Andres, that's what you were alluding to earlier. Yeah. 
Yeah, we just need more Ziyech-esque signings. Just shrewd, even if it's a big money signing, as long as it's a good purchase, somebody that's proven like that, that can just like kick ass and bust heads the second they come into the league. You know, I think Ziyech, a Ziyech type player is the most prone to do something like that. Yeah. And God. to be fair to Joe, he probably prefers the right because Reese James mm-hmm. is on the right versus yeah. Alonso or Emerson on the left. And our yeah. thing. like I, I know that in. the academy. I feel like I feel like Alonso. I feel like Alonso just like like drifts into everyone's airspace because he just pushes so high up on the left hand side. It's yeah. like all of a sudden he's in he's in and the he's box. Not wide either. No, no, he isn't. I mean, anyways, that I mean that kind of wraps it up. Um, shout out to the Rep Ultras. Um, they were the ones that kind of pushed us to record today. Um, <laughs> We sent out a tweet earlier this morning, and uh, I texted Andres off to the side. Yeah, yeah, football is back. That's huge. Wow, I can't Um, believe it. Yeah, man, it's it's we're starting at the end of the tunnel to see some sort of shift away from you know being in complete isolation, lockdown, back to normalcy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But anyways, um, you know, uh, until next week, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. Rep Ultras, you guys are the best. Make sure uh, if you're listening to us and you haven't followed us already, we're on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Um, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to interact with you and uh, eventually uh, get united as a Rep Ultra by our uh, by our Psalm. So um, yeah. until next week, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>